0: RadioInfluence.com.
1: I oh, got him in the white trunks. He
2: hurt himself. Beautiful. Oh God, beautiful. He's got it, and he forced the top. Wow. And here's oh, Lucas submission And it's all over. It's oh, all over. First round
1: knockout. He's out Rich Franklin retain this belt. The one thing that I never thought
3: in a million years would happen happened. The champion. The challenger. Here we go
1: this is the mma report with jason floyd on radio influence it is time for another edition of the mma report podcast i am jason floyd and this is the interview edition of the show it is january 30th 2023 do apologize for not getting the show out yesterday which i typically do like to try to get the interview edition of the podcast out on Sundays, but uh, just uh, full disclosure is uh, Sunday was just a nice, relaxing day for me uh, after hanging out with friends all day Saturday. So, you know what, Sunday, I'm just going to kind of hang on the couch, watch a little TV, watch a little football, and, uh, but uh, I am here to break this one down for you. So as I mentioned, interview edition of the show, got four interviews for you. You're going to hear from a man going to be a part of the PFL Challenger Series come here uh, in two weeks from now. Now, Anthony Romero, of course, you remember you saw Anthony there on Dan Weiss Contender Series a couple of years ago. Now he's got this opportunity in PFL as he takes on Tony Caruso. So, uh, talk to the lightweight fighter about this matchup. Then you're going to hear the conversation I had with Israel Silva. He is the wrestling coach for Bram Moreno. So, talk to Izzy about Bram Moreno's win there against Dyson Figueredo there at UFC 283. Also, we talked a little bit about uh, Olympian David Taylor and whether or not he could be making his way towards MMA. Then you're going to hear uh, my conversation with a man who just won a middleweight title at Pure Combate. Gabriel Pacheco Dolce had a chance to catch up with Greg Gabriel, a training partner of uh, Raul Rojas Jr. So spoke to him about his win and what is coming up with him. And in the interview he actually reveals he had to turn down a UFC fight. So a little interesting nugget that he threw there. Then the final conversation you're going to hear is with Josh Henry. He's going to be in the main event of Shamrock FC 343. That is going to be on February the 18th as he takes on Josh Augenstein. Had a chance to catch up with him and talk to him about uh, his upcoming matchup and uh, kind of the the really the synopsis of that interview really is uh, Josh saying he's back. He's a guy who came back to competition. He's had some some times where he's had some inactive years, um, most notably twenty nineteen to twenty twenty one. But mentioned to me that he is back, so you're gonna hear all those conversations here on this edition of the M Airport Podcast. Of course, appreciate you taking time out of your day to download and listen to this episode of the podcast. Of course, uh, if you've not given us a rating and review, really would appreciate that. And if this is your first time listening to a podcast, uh, be sure to hit that five-star review and uh, subscribe and all that, really, too. Appreciate that. Of course, uh, you know, mentioned last week was not a a busy week in the world of MMA. The PFL Challenger Series did kick off. Uh, I've not had a chance to watch that yet, so I'm going to try to see how I can find to be able to watch that car back there as uh, PFL kicking off their 2023 campaign. Bellator, they kick off their 2023 campaign on Saturday night for Bellator 290. Of course, the rematch between Ryan Bader and Fedor Emelianenko, also the middleweight title online. Johnny Eblin being challenged by Anatoly Tokov, and also a banger of a matchup that's going to kick off the main card: Sabahamsi versus Brennan Ward. And uh, you know, look, it's it's you know it's been over a month since we've seen Bellator. I'm really looking forward to to watch this card on Saturday night sitting on my couch and just uh, enjoying these fights. Uh, be honest with you, I'm probably not going to enjoy the UFC fights live for the most part. Of course, uh, a later start time that we typically see for the UFC event, especially here uh, in the United States at UFC card. The prelims going to start over uh, at 10 p.m. Eastern time, 7 p.m. local time there in Las Vegas. Main card, not till 1 a.m. Eastern time. So the odds of me staying up to watch that fight card are, are pretty <laughs> unlikely, but uh, we'll definitely watching this Bellator card and you know I mean look it's been a while since we've seen Bellator but Bellator's got a great fight card I think even when you look at these prelims and myself and Daniel Gavall, we're going to break uh, more of this fight card down uh, on the midweek edition of the show but I mean you just look top to bottom the names that are on this preliminary card Neiman Grace, the Lorenz Larkin, Darian Caldwell, Steve Mallory, Henry Corrales, Jordan Alugo, Jaylon Bays, Carl Brexon, Grant Neal, uh, Chris Gonzalez, Alejandra Lara, uh, all on that preliminary card. So Bellator has a really great fight card come up here on Saturday night. And, uh, you know, it's going to be very interesting to kind of see what kind of rating that draws there on CBS. And, you know, and I, I got this tweet um, last night that I saw, and, and it's a great question that I saw someone bring up. And uh, this came from uh, is, uh, from Danny Sanders. So he goes, I hope the media asked Scott Coker this week what their plan is if Fedor beats Ryan Bay the champ retiring with the belt. This will be like when GSP won the middleweight title for Michael Bisping and he ended up retiring with that belt. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm sure when Scott Coker does media this week, that'll be a question that that'll, will be brought up of, you know, hey, what is the plan? And, and I don't know whether or not we'll really get the answers on that question. You gotta, you know, it really does make me wonder if Fedor wins the title and he truly is retiring, which I, I, I you know, and look, I always say this, never believe that R word in MMA, but I think the reality is, is, you know, probably going to be the last time it makes me wonder if maybe that Lint Vassell, Valentin Moldovsky fight could end up being for the vacant title there, uh, next month. And, uh, you know, speaking of Lint Vassell, if you didn't listen to last Sunday's podcast or check out the interview over at the MMA YouTube channel, uh, that I did with Steve Mallory or Steve Mallory who's a training partner with Linton Vassell that said you know what no I, I'm not interested in fighting my teammates so I thought that was uh, kind of interesting there but looking forward to that Bellator car coming up on Saturday of course also uh, along with I mentioned you know, mention, have yeah, that fight night car on Saturday night as well headlined by Derek Lewis taking on Sergey Spivak, uh, Duho Choy, um, Kyle Nelson another matchup that does intrigue me with that one as well as uh, two of your three uh main card or two of the five main card fights will be heavyweight matchups the other one being Marcin Tibera taking on Blue Goy Evenoff and uh also uh, Adam Fuget, who we had on the podcast a couple weeks ago you can check out that interview over the the Airport YouTube channel. Uh, he is on this fight card. You know, this is a fight card that was initially supposed to take place over uh, in Seoul, South Korea, for whatever reason, did not take place. I don't think ever, I've seen a reason why maybe that, that fight card uh, ultimately did not take place in Seoul. But um, that really, because this is the the road to the UFC, so that's why the fight card is on later here in the United States. Uh, than typically, and, uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see how many East Coasts viewers uh, of MMA will stay up till, you know, three, thirty, 3, four o'clock in the morning, um, you know, to watch this fight card, but I'll watch it after the fact, you know, I might catch some of the, the prelims live, you know, after the, after the Bellator fight card is over, but there's that main card, the, the odds of me staying up that late to watch the UFC live is probably, it's just, I would probably say less than 10% so uh, but you know it'd be you know it'd be nice to have some MMA back in our life it was nice to have a weekend where I really didn't have MMA and I could kind of go enjoy uh, enjoy life I mean you know sometimes we got to do that we got to enjoy life you know uh, hanging out with some friends and then Sunday just uh, just sitting on the couch watching the football games you know the first game was not uh, was not a, a, a you know a, a close game at all I mean especially once uh, the 49ers lost their their quarterbacks kind of knew where that was going but uh, AFC title game man that that was a great game Game between those those two teams there, and um, you know it's it's always it's always weird for me this time of year to be sitting at home watching football and not. Uh, out doing broadcasting But those were It was a fun a Fun uh, fun weekend for me Fun weekend for me uh, you know, Sunday was definitely A little bit of a day of recovery As uh, You know Definitely uh, Did partake a lot On Saturday But it uh, was great And uh, looking forward to it But uh, I know you're here To listen to the interviews So let's get right Into the interviews First first hear the conversation That I have with Anthony Romero Then it'll be Israel Silva Then it'll be Gabriel Pacheco Dolce And the final conversation You're gonna hear Is with Josh Henry Joining me now here on the MMA report is a man that's going to be a part of the PFL Challenger Series coming up here on February the seventeenth. Anthony Romero. Anthony, as always, man, uh, appreciate time. It has been some time. It's going to be ten months by the time uh, you step inside competition here, uh, since we saw you there in Fury. So, what's been going on, man?
0: Just the same old, just training, um, just the same schedule. I don't know. It's uh, people have asked me before, oh, why would you take so long? Did you get hurt? Uh, you just need a break. Like I don't need a break at all. Like I'm 25 years old. Um, I feel like, I I feel like I'm in my prime. I'm not there yet. Um, but I feel like the best I've been for a long time and, uh, just wanted a good opportunity. So, and now I have it. So
1: how far away do you think you are from your prime?
0: I don't know. I, I feel like, uh, what is it, 20, what is the usual, 28, 29, yeah. Prior around there is uh, is a prime, so, and I'm only 25, so uh, I'm pretty happy with the way things are going.
1: In terms of, you know, these 10 months away from having a, a fight, was it, it, was a situation of just uh, you and your management trying to put a fight together and ultimately just didn't come about?
0: Yeah, it, there wasn't really any opportunities to get to that next level, um, so just playing the waiting game and, and seeing what pops up, of course, the UFC is somewhere I've said I've always wanted to go. Uh, never came together for whatever reasons. Um, and then, uh, of course, there's Bellator, PFL, and PFL just it, it sticks out to me. They're doing really, uh, really great things. They're treating the fighters great, and that's somewhere where I want to be a part of. So,
1: obviously, it's a tremendous opportunity with what this could lead to. Um, have you do you even think about that, or is it just kind of that mindset of like, man? I can only control what I do inside the cage. I can't control what may happen after it.
0: Um, I, I think it's really cool to to have that kind of dangling in front of my face, just the the million dollar check. Um, it, it's pretty cool. I know you always take one fight at a time, but uh, to see that there, that that could be my future. It's uh it's really cool compared to other organizations where there's a lot of politics behind it, where you need to be a talker to get money and all that kind of stuff. It's, it's it's pretty much just hard work and uh, and winning fights. That's that's what the PFL is. So
1: do you feel like there's a lot of similarities for this matchup as it was like going into the contender series?
0: Um, a little bit. I, I think uh, for the contender series, it's fine to say. I know I, I said I'm still young, but I was more of a kid, um, thinking that the UFC is all there is. And uh, once you get into the UFC then you made it and all that kind of stuff, but I feel like the, the ties changing now where these other organizations are doing great things for fighters and it's just about getting the word out and uh, big things like the, the signing with, with Jake Paul is huge to get their name out there because a lot of people know who he is. He, he has more followers than the PFL together. Right. So um, so that's a, a big step in the right direction.
1: Like, as you think about because I, I want to say you were 7-0 and when you went into that contender series matchup. Like, as you think about, like, kind of where you were at as a martial artist and, and to where you're at now, like, is it, I mean, I, I know the cliche would be like, oh, man, it's it's night and day. But, like, what's the difference? Do you look at the fight game differently now than you did back then?
0: Oh, of course. I, I look back and I, I always think, like when I, I look at my old fights, I'm like, I'd kick that guy's butt. Like that guy is no one now. Like, and then a couple of years from now, it'll be the same thing. Like it, it feels good to have that feeling. Uh, whereas if you look back and you're like, oh yeah, I still do that move and it, it still works, all that kind of stuff. Like a lot of that stuff in that fight doesn't even work anymore in the training room. All my training partners catch on. Um, so it, it's pretty cool to see how much I've excelled since then.
1: Do you go back and, and like when you're like like you know you know obviously with this matchup against Tony like are you going back and watching your own film and, and doing that self evaluation and say okay this is what Tony's seeing and, and this is what Tony's thinking?
0: Um, not really. I, I just focus on what I what I need to do better at um, my own skills, all that kind of stuff. Like if you look at someone's old fights, like you get an idea but you never really know what's going to happen in the fight, what their game plan is. Uh, It could be just to stand up um, the whole fight. So I I don't really know, just to prepare for everything.
1: What has your focus been for this training camp?
0: Just to be, it sounds funny, just to be the best I can be. Uh, Be the best grappler I can be, best striker I can be. Uh, I've been doing a lot of mental preparation for this uh, because it's a big goal of mine to become uh, part of a big organization like this. And uh, just having little keywords, affirmations to push me through the tough days, the easy days. Uh, and, and there are, there are easy days where you uh, easy days is like uh, a day where you're just kicking everyone's butt and sparring because you're just on fire and then there's the next day you go back and everyone's kicking your butt. Um, so it's just uh, waves here and there. so um, but I, I feel like I'm in the right place at the right time right now and uh, I'm just excited so
1: the mental side of that, is that something that you really didn't pay a lot of attention to before?
0: Not really. Um, not really. I, I think since my my loss that I've had, uh, I'm very thankful for that because um a lot of it was just keeping my record, just winning. Um, and that's not what a lot of people want to see. A lot of people want to see performance. Um and just winning every minute of the fight and how I can win every minute of the fight. At the end of the day, the time's going to go by. The fight's going to be done. Um, But it's just using that time that you have in the cage to to perform. So,
1: When I've heard a fighter talk about uh, an unsuccessful trip to the cage on fight night, and I don't think I've ever heard him say thankful for that happening. You know, <laughs> you know I mean, you might hear him, I mean, use different words of like, look, it was... At the end of the day, hey, it maybe may was the best thing. it It allowed me to grow as a martial artist. Like, is it just one of those things of like, I don't know, wake up call is the right way to to describe it? But is it more of just it? It, it did open your eyes to certain things.
0: Oh yes, like I when I look back at that fight, I was actually watching it this morning with my brother. We uh, were looking at it, and I was like, at that time, I, I felt like I was really good and all that kind of stuff. And I'm this undefeated fighter uh people are expecting big things from me um articles coming out all this guy's steps away from the ufc all this kind of stuff and um it's just tough because you just want to win you want to be undefeated right um but uh, you also have to perform in this game and um and that's what i'm doing now especially like for my last fight i feel like i've i've proven that that next step that i can finish fights uh in a blink of an eye so
1: Tony Caruso, just like yourself, has a great record eight one in his career. Um, as you've you know evaluated Tony, what what sticks out to you the most about what what you see that he does well?
0: Uh, he looks like a grinder. He's uh, he's pretty strong everywhere. He's a well rounded fighter. Um, but uh, that's what you're going to have these days. You're going to be fighting good guys. There's, there's no more bums and mm-hmm. and uh, cans to kick over. Like uh, can, there's going to be tough fights. Uh, and I've I've been in those fights. The contender series was a was a huge opportunity for me. Um, I was successful and unsuccessful on the same night. Um, but I, I feel like I performed against a high level opponent, um, and uh, I, I'll do it again, and it'll be even better because I feel like I've grown so much since that fight.
1: What do you see as ultimately your key to victory?
0: Um, <laughs> I, I honestly, it, it sounds like everyone else would say, like, I'm the better fighter, all that kind of stuff. But I I feel like I I truly am the the better fighter in wrestling and striking. Um, Wherever the fight goes, I feel like I'm, I'm prepared to, to to protect myself. And, and um, I I feel like the the finish will be there. Um, But uh, just just being strong the whole fight and winning every minute is, uh, is my goal.
1: You know, when I, when I mentioned about, you know, kind of the similarities with the contender, contender series, I'm kind of thinking about, it's like, you know, you, you got to go out and make a statement to, to potentially, you know, find, maybe find your way into a tournament here in, in 2023. And when I was looking at the fight card, I believe you're the second of the four fights. Like, do you, yeah. do you, do you look at that as an advantage, a, a disadvantage would, you know, how, how do you look at that?
0: Um, it's pretty normal to me. It's pretty cool because recently I've been like main event and I had to wait a long time. Uh, so I'm, I'm ready to, to get it on. And um, I think I was the same for the contender series as well. It was the second fight out. Um, so it, it's not that big of a deal. We're going to fight anyways, So I uh, might as well just get it done and uh, and get close to that contract.
1: Yeah, I want to say it was like last week, the PFL announced this fight, maybe a week before that. Uh, but how long have you actually known about this?
0: I've known about the opportunity for a while. I didn't know about my opponent uh, until recently. Um, just the way, like, when they posted on Instagram is when I found out who I was fighting. So that was a pretty <laughs> pretty neat idea. It's um, just preparing to fight anybody, and that's pretty much what this camp has been, like, regardless if it's an undefeated fighter, whether, whether it's a, um, a guy who's been in the game for a long time. Like, I'm, I'm at that level to fight against anybody and uh, i was just excited to see uh, i have a great opponent ahead of me
1: all right so when you see the ig post what was the first thing you did
0: i was more excited that i actually got posted i didn't really care who i was fighting i was just excited to get that uh that that it was actually going to happen um so that, that was a pretty cool thing um to see that uh my stats were posted and all that kind of stuff it was just a cool opportunity
1: obviously this is a business trip but or Orlando is a, is a tourist destination. Once this fight's over, are, are you and the family uh, plan to uh, hang out in Orlando a little bit?
0: Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of family coming over. Um, so that's pretty cool because usually I go to the fight in the States and it's just my coaches and myself. Um, so they're, they're going to make the trip and then we're going to go to uh, Universal Studios uh, the next day. Um, so that'll be a little fun trip and, uh, and then leave the following day. So it should be all right.
1: Are you a roller coaster guy?
0: Yeah, yeah, I love that kind of stuff. I haven't been there since I was like maybe eight years old. Okay. Uh, so it would be pretty cool to get that uh, that memory back.
1: Yeah, I mean, up in Canada, do you have a lot of theme parks where, where you live?
0: Uh, we have Canada's Wonderland, but it's not even close. It's just like a, it's a small park compared to that. But it's pretty cool like with, with the movies uh, as a theme, the ride and all that kind of stuff. That That's pretty cool.
1: I did notice on your Instagram, it, it looks like the gym business is expanded for you. Yeah
0: yeah yeah our neighbors moved out um they're one of my sponsors actually the lock pizza um they moved out down the down the street around the corner and um that place is open so i spoke to my landlord and asked if uh, i could use that space as well and uh we came up with a deal and yeah we made it happen so
1: how big is the gym now i mean how many square feet you got
0: uh, it was uh, twelve hundred square feet, so relatively small place. Uh, so now it's double, so about, uh, about was twenty four hundred. So, okay. um, so yeah, a little more extra space, but uh, it looks awesome. I'm happy. The members are happy. Uh, it's a dream job of mine. It's I don't even I don't even think it's a job for me. It's it's more of a a fun thing to do for me, and I get paid as well for it. Um, so, but uh, but yeah, it's it's awesome. I love it.
1: And so when we're talking about it's a, a Friday night, you can kind of let loose. What, what are you doing for fun?
0: Uh, it's tough. I don't get too many days like that. Uh, the other day I went bowling for like the first time in a long time. Um, so that, that was fun to kind of switch things up. But other than that, it's pretty much either training um, or going to, to teach. And then I'm off to bed because I have to train the next morning. Um, so I'm always in the martial arts world. Uh, and then if I'm on TV, it's watching, uh, your interviews or someone else's interviews or fights and all that kind of stuff. So it's, uh, just, it's ongoing. So.
1: <laughs> is it, is it tough to, you kind of turn off that, that, that martial art mindset?
0: It is, it is. Sometimes I go to bed and I think about a fight that I've had for some reason in the past, like, <laughs> Oh, I've should done this instead and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, but, uh, it's normal for me. It's not a stressor. I love this life. And uh, one day when it's all said and done, I'm going to look back and I'm going to miss it. All right. So I'm trying to soak in everything and then enjoy the whole journey. So
1: awesome. Well, of course, we'll look forward to seeing this fight here on the PFL Challenge Series February the 17th. Of course, people can watch it part of the Fubu Sports Network. Anthony, as always, man, I appreciate your time. Of course, uh, let me know if you on social media anything else you want to mention,
0: man. Uh, yeah. Uh, you can check me out at genius underscore MMA. Uh, watch me February 17th, get that contract and, uh, thank you for this interview. So I appreciate it. Joining me now here on
1: the MMA report is a man that you saw in the corner of brand Moreno this past week in UFC two eighty three. It's his wrestling coach. Izzy Silva? Izzy, uh, appreciate the time. Uh, congratulations on the victory, uh, going out there and doing what you guys were able to do there. Uh, you know, from, from, uh, how do you describe the, uh, the experience in Rio last week?
3: It was uh, probably one of the best moments of my coaching career, you know, being able to, uh, you know, be in the first quadrilogy fight in UFC history and then uh, being able to work and coach a guy like Brandon uh, is one of the highlights of my career. So no, it was amazing. Uh, the Rio was amazing. It's a great place. Uh, regardless of what happened in the arena, the fans and the people of Rio were amazing. So no, it's, it's to, one of the top highlights of my career, for sure.
1: Like when you think about, because I mean, obviously you've you've been you know in coaching for a long time. Like as you think about other big highlights uh, of your coaching career, what what else is up there?
3: Um, you know, what I've coached at the world championships at the or the, uh, the international level. You know, so I've, I've I've coached world champions, I've coached world medalists, uh, I've coached at the NCAA Division One level with national champs, all Americans. So um I've been everywhere in in wrestling so in MMA this was actually my MMA debut coaching and it happened to be in a world title fight in the quadrilogy so uh not a bad way to get my feet wet in MMA
1: So how does this relationship start between you and Brandon?
3: You know what I uh, I I know Jason House really well and Jeremy Luchau um I actually coached Jeremy Luchau's son in in, in college Um, and then when they were going over the game plan in September, October, when the fight got announced, uh, they knew that wrestling was going to be a big, uh, component, you know, of the game plan and, uh, I was bilingual and, and, and trust with the team. So, uh, they just brought me on and I kind of meshed well with the existing coaching staff that they had, you know, everyone served a value. Everyone had their own disciplines that they were focusing on and, you know, I came in there with no ego, and I just wanted to help, the, you know, however I could. So um, Jason and Jeremy asked me to, to be part of the camp, and I, uh, I'd be a fool to turn that down.
1: Uh, you know, one of the things of, and I know Safe so we kind of talked about this, of how his schedule worked in terms of working with Brandon, of what he was doing back in his home gym in Dallas and flying in, you know, middle of the week through the weekend to, to work with Brandon. How did uh, your schedule work uh, in terms of working with Brandon?
3: So I would do the same thing. You know, I would fly uh, on the weekends, you know, to work with Brandon and have a lot of drills. And you know what? Coach Hector Vasquez did a great job of, he was kind of the main person that was there every single day because he's based out of uh, Las Vegas. So we'd work a lot of things and, and coach Hector would take a lot of notes and he would do a lot of the drills, you know, during the week to kind of keep that fresh in Brandon's mind of the, of the game plan or the different skills that I was giving him for the game plan. So, uh, yeah, I'd, I'd probably go every weekend. Every other weekend, I was flying to Las Vegas, you know, to work with Brandon.
1: You know, being a coach, and and I've had a chance to be around, you know, various coaches in different sports, and and everyone has their own coaching philosophies of how they get their athletes ready. For you. Did you take a lot out of working with with Safe and, and working with Hector and, and kind of seeing how they coach and maybe maybe did open your eyes of okay hey man this is how they get their athletes ready maybe this is maybe I, I can incorporate some of these things in, into what I do on a day in day out basis.
3: Um, I think we did that with with each other. I think they they fed off a lot of the stuff that I did and I fed off a lot of the stuff they did. It was there was no egos, you know, with the coaching staff. You know, like I said, I I. Coached collegially for 15 plus years, and I worked with high-level guys, so they were excited to work with somebody with my expertise. At the same time, somebody like Coach Sam and coach, Heck, coach Hector, I was listening and I was observing and some of that. So it was it was more of a collaborative effort of like you know let's let each other do what we do best when it's our turn to you know when, when they hand us the ball. So if it's resting practice, they they stood back and kind of watched what I did when it was time for you know, grappling, you know, I stood back and watched what Hector was doing, and then I tried to figure out ways to incorporate that, you know, in my my uh, wrestling. Same thing with Coach Hoya and the Muay Thai, and Coach Capatillo in the boxing. It's like, even Coach Capatillo, who's, you know, world-renowned, he kept on saying, Coach, what do you think about this? Coach, what do you think about this? You know, it's like, this is good out there. And I always said, like, hey, do what you guys do, you know, keep coaching, and I'm just Looking for ways to incorporate that in the, in the takedown and the level changes and stuff like that. So, um, when it was time for each coach to have their turn in the training camp, the rest of the coaches stood back and kind of figured out a way to apply, you know, when it was their turn to do their session.
1: You know, I think heading into this matchup, I think a lot of people kind of thought that that wrestling was going to be potentially a a big advantage for Brandon in this matchup. As you kind of looked at from a wrestling aspect, was there something about the matchup that that got you excited about the opportunities that were going to present themselves?
3: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, working with Brandon, Brandon is, Super technical, and, and he's got a wrestling, a good wrestling base now. So I was it, it was easy to make small adjustments like I would do with, you know, some of my senior-level athletes or Olympic athletes. It's like you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just making small adjustments. So really the game plan was Brandon knows how to get a takedown. Brandon knows how to defend a takedown. But really it was going to be the chain wrestling. You know, if Brandon goes for a takedown and doesn't get it, Getting that second, third attempt to to go get that takedown and and put a lot of pressure on Figueroa and, and kind of wear his gas tank out. Same thing. We were okay if Davidson took us down because we knew Brandon can get away. So if he took us down right away, we're gonna pop right back up, and that's more energy that Davidson was was exerting, and we're okay because Brandon's got a motor, you know, second to none.
1: You know, speaking of so, Olympia... The, the, or, go ahead.
3: The, sorry. So the really the game plan was. and you saw in the fight, to force as many positions and scrambles and exchanges as we could. I mean, because I don't think Davidson wanted that. You know, he wanted to have the big moments and then kind of wait and pick and choose the spots. And we wanted to create as many grappling and wrestling exchanges as we could.
1: You know, you speak about Olympians, and I know you. you um, Iridium was t- telling me about how you work with David Taylor. When you, when you see how David's mindset is as he's getting ready for an Olympic run or in the Olympics, is it very similar to that the, the mindset that Brandon has?
3: Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, David and Brandon are very similar in that they are true professionals. Their whole life revolves around preparation. Their whole life revolves around uh, their training plan and their lifestyle in order to get the results that they want and that they deserve. So, yeah, David's a family man. Uh, Brandon's a big family man, as you, you know, he, he speaks about it all the time. And everything that they do, they live great lifestyles. Uh, they stick to their training plan. They rely on their, their coaches and the people around them to help to guide them. So, yeah, they're both professionals in, in all aspects of the work.
1: You know, there's there's this chatter that I'm hearing that David could go down that MMA route. Is that something that he has uh, had a conversation with you about?
3: Um, I think David is wants a challenge. You know, so if he does go the MMA route, like I said, he's he's accomplished everything that you can in the sport of wrestling. He's won at every single level, from the youth level to the high school, to the collegiate to the world level. He's done it all. You know, so David's a guy. It's like he doesn't want to just be stagnant. He's ready for the next challenge. So, I think if he does want to transition to MMA, I think Scott's a little firm as well, just because he expects to win, expects success.
1: You you mentioned about this is the first time that you've cornered a fighter. So uh, now now that you, you you've cornered Brand, has has the phone been ringing of now guys saying hey, if it was working Brand, I got I got to work with this guy.
3: Um. No, not really. You know, I mean, I, 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 I want to stay kind of loyal to Brandon, you know, and I have kids of my own, you know, that, that wrestle, that I kind of stepped away from the coaching collegially to spend more time with my kids. So um, if it makes sense that it doesn't take away from my family and my own kids, you know, then I'll explore those options. But right now uh, I'm committed to Brandon, you know, and helping him. Uh, defend the belt as many times as he wants to um, because I love the guy I mean the, what everything that he represents uh, myself being from mexico and what he you know the the hope and and how he inspires people that's what I want to be a part of so if it makes sense with my time with my timeline and and my family then I'll explore those things or if you know Jason house calls me in and he wants me to work with somebody then uh, those are the things that I'll pursue but um, I'll take them day by day or, or opportunity by opportunity.
1: Uh, one thing that Remy was, was telling me about is the fact that you are the director of the Iridium wrestling camp series, uh, which you work with college wrestlers, uh, kind of how, how was this more, this come together because of, of your, your, uh, relationship with Jeremy?
3: Yeah. So Jeremy, that's how it all started initially, but really, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the, uh, college, uh, name, image, and likeness that mm-hmm. just passed a couple years ago. Yeah. So as soon as that passed, you know Jason and Jeremy and I were like, "Hey, we want we want to be in the forefront of this. You know, we want to kind of build a feeder program of collegiate athletes that will transition to MMA uh, when they're done competing, instead of trying to grab them after they've uh, they've graduated." So yeah, we went hard. We have 12 athletes right now that we we've signed that are on NIL deals, and what we do for them is, you know, we try to make life a little bit easier for them. Where you know Jacob Parga is out there you know, trying to get supplement deals or meal meal plan deals or different things like that or or some other, you know, paid partnerships as well to help you kind of navigate through their college careers. Um, and then through that, we developed the Radium Summer Camp Series where we have four camps uh, where we have MMA affiliates, you know, like uh, Factory X or Oyama's or, uh, you know, Syndicate and Couture's Gym. Uh, so we... Develop high school and youth wrestling camps, you know that you know kids come and pay, and they learn from our collegiate athletes. But and then that's in the morning, and in that af- early afternoon, and then in the evening we have them cross train with some of the coaches that work with the You know, so they're learning. One, they're going to get paid to teach wrestling and give back, mm-hmm. but then they're going to kind of get their feet wet and start learning the fundamentals of uh, you know striking and other disciplines that you know we need in MMA. In terms
1: of, and final thing here, you mentioned about how Rio was, was a great experience for you. Uh, outside of the fight aspect of, of last week, what, what do what do you remember about being a Rio?
3: You know what? What I remember about Rio and what I miss since we've been back is the team that we had around Brandon, or the team that Brandon developed and had, you know, with, with Coach Safe, with Coach Hector, with Coach Hoya, with his training partners, Marcelo Rojo and Masio uh the camera guy. Like, we really became a family. Like, we all were there for each other. We're all there for Brandon. Uh, we spent a couple weeks in Rio. That's really what I'm going to take back is, like, these guys, the people that Brandon has around him, are genuinely good people, and Brandon has people that are invested in him and care about him and are selfless and just want the best from Brandon. That's really what I miss being back from Rio. Is just the camaraderie, the cracking jokes, the going to get coffees, mm-hmm. the, you know, going to work out. That's, that's really the thing that sticks out to me is the family atmosphere that, that we had in Rio.
1: Joining me now here on the MMA Report is a man who became a, the middleweight champion at Pure Combate. Gabriel, appreciate that. Congratulations on the victory, man. Uh, anyone who did not see your fight, they can go to your Instagram. You can see it. You know it's a quick fight when it can be in an Instagram video.
4: Right, definitely. Uh, God blessed me with a quick victory. The fight I had prior to this one, he taught me a lesson. Uh, I dominated the fight every second of the first round, except for uh, one second where I took an elbow. I was on top of my opponent in side control, and he threw an elbow from the bottom, and it sliced my eyelid open. And so I fought the round like that, and in between rounds, the doctor stopped it. So God was teaching me a lesson that time. Hopefully, I learned it, and then he blessed me with the flawless victory on the last one.
1: A slick transition that you know from you know you're standing up, having a nice little you know exchange of of exchange strikes, and then you're able to to lock in that rear naked choke was uh was that something like you visualized leading up to that matchup that you kind of thought that's how the victory could come?
4: Uh, I practiced that exact sequence in the back in the locker room. Uh, but there's two ways that that sequence could have gone and I practiced both of them. One leads into a darsh choke if he turns in one direction and the other one leads into the rear naked. So it just happened to go the rear naked way. But uh, I practiced it with my little brother Raul Rosas Jr. Uh, in the locker room. So it was badass that it worked out that way. Once you yeah. reach a certain level, um, I mean, manifestation and visualizing is also very important, but you gotta visualize the stuff that's practical, and you gotta practice it. So when the opportunity is there, your body can take care of it.
1: Yeah, when we talk, if anyone does go your Instagram, uh, you've got a video up there where uh, you know Raul, you're you're, you know him and his brother, you're knocking on the on the door trying to say, "Hey man, you want (laughs) to answer this door? We got we got a little news for you."
4: Yeah, that was funny because uh, everybody that was right after his win. And everybody was at his house having a party downstairs. And he was upstairs with his uh, girlfriend, you know, hanging out. And we found out and we all just a couple of us rushed up in there, uh, rushed, rushed up there and knocked on the door. And it took him like three minutes to come out because he was getting cleaned up.
1: <laughs> you know, obviously everyone's got a chance to get no Raul o- over his time. But let's get to know you a little bit, man. How, how does how does this martial arts journey start for you?
4: It started uh, 13 years ago when I was 15. I got into it with a football team when I was a freshman uh, in high school Uh, over a girl I called some girl a bitch and not knowing that her older brother was one of the head football dudes. So they came up to me and they punked me in front of a bunch of people. And that was the first time in my life that I had to really bite my tongue and not say something back. And I just hated that feeling of cowardice. Uh, And the next day, my best friend at the time, um, rest in peace. He told me, he was like, Hey, you know, I remember what happened yesterday and I was thinking about it and I did some research and there's this gym, we should go check it out. And then I was, I went in the next day with him and I stayed there for 10 years and then I left there and went to a couple other places and now I'm running my own gym and, and I'm just trying to make the dream happen. A couple dreams happened in one. I think my fighting career and the gym career, they're, they're going to both merge mm-hmm. and it's going to end up just skyrocketing up to something great
1: was martial arts an instant love for you or did it take some time
4: instant uh i've always been a bit of a goofball and like a class clown so that also outside of class so that ended up getting into uh getting me into quite a bit of conflicts and situations where i had to fight or um violence was an option so mm-hmm. i always kind of liked wrestling and wwe dragon ball z are are big mm-hmm. influences of mine and then um i went in the first day and i'm like man i wish i would have done this earlier and skip soccer and basketball and all that other crap and just been a fighter i i really don't even know where i could be
1: I, I, on your topology it, it lists the Emmy debut in 2015 but i, I know uh, going through your instagram kind of know that there were some more amateur fights and what's on topology so when did the actual amateur debut take place
4: uh, the amateur debut was, was on Tapology because that was through CAMO, which is the California Amateur Certified Organization yeah. thing. Uh, but on the Indian casinos, they kind of have their own rules, you know. So I had some fights on the Indian casinos as an amateur, but uh, they're not listed on Topology at all. So it's kind of like underground experience, I guess.
1: Uh, but that pro debut comes back in 2018. What, what do you remember about making your pro debut?
4: Uh, I just remember training so hard for my amateur and my pro debuts. I trained the hardest I ever did because mm-hmm. those were like, um, excuse me, those were like monuments, monumental moments in my life where I knew that uh, this was either going to make or break how my life goes, at least for a good while, the chapter moving forward. So I knew I had to put everything into it. So I just remember training really hard, and that was the only time I ever made 155 on the dot. <laughs>
1: is uh you know in terms of that championship weight i mean is it do you think you never hit that 155 or, you, or do you think your your future is never there
4: no i think my future is at 185 now mm-hmm. um yeah 55 that was the one time and then my second fight i weighed in at 157 i missed weight by a pound and then my next fight, I fought at 160 because I couldn't make the 155 mm-hmm. limit. And then the next one, I fought at 165 because I couldn't make the 160 again. <laughs> and then it went to 170, and then it's just been going up slowly from there.
1: The, gar- the guard father, where does this nickname come from?
4: Uh, I just came up with it one day when I was trying to think of what my stage name would be. Uh, I'm half Italian, uh, my, my better half, I always say. And I've always grown up on Sopranos and Goodfellas and, okay. you know, the Godfather movies and all that. My grandpa raised me on those. So um, I, I used to play guard a lot because I was the skinny high school kid training with all the fighters. So mm-hmm. uh, I had to play guard a lot because I couldn't take anybody down and they were all bigger than me. And one day I just put two and two together and it, it stuck. And I've seen since then uh, other people posting Godfather, but I swear to on the cross, um, I'm not wearing my cross right now, but I swear on the cross that I never heard that before until I came up with it. And I should have got it, I should get it panted. I'm not sure if it's panted or not.
1: You know, you mentioned it a little bit earlier, you know, talking about, you know, you've got the fighting career, but you also got the the gym business career as well. And, mm-hmm. you know, and you talk to, you know, other people in this sport and they talk about kind of like finding that balance, you know, in terms of like, obviously you're trying to run a gym, but obviously you're, you're, you're trying to do the work in to get you ready for a fight. Like, is it a balancing act for you that you're still trying to figure out how to, to merge the two together?
4: Definitely. Uh, the gym thing is, is new. It's pretty much been like maybe almost a year that I've been running a team. Um, And the spot we're in now is very, very small, but I'm working on signing a lease here very soon for a spot that's 10 times bigger, like a real facility where we can have a jujitsu room, bag room, cage, uh, all the stuff that we need. So um, that's coming really soon. So uh, trying to balance that, like the transition is, is really tough right now, but I think once I get that going, the gym is gonna pretty much run itself. I went to a few gyms around here, but there wasn't enough of what I needed to kind of move forward to that next level. There's some great gyms around town uh, and a lot of great people and a lot of great fighters. Just kind of not enough in one spot for me to really settle down anywhere. So I just started hosting free trainings at uh, the little dojo, let's call it, that I have where I would do personal trainings out of. And I would start just hosting free trainings for anybody that had a little bit of experience and they wanted to basically be a body for me. And then it kind of started growing into those people telling me I should run classes and I should build an actual team. And if I would corner them and I, I just kind of led into a full-blown team. So now I, I got a couple fighters. I think I have six six people who have fought under me and we do, we've do we been doing really good as a team. We had a undefeated run for a little while, we have already made uh, amateur champions who've more than one, so it's it's going really good, and I just see uh, the GF Club really taking off, and uh, with Raul and Jesse Jesse's help coming down and doing seminars, and when we move into the new gym, we'll be able to get other fighters who are willing to come down uh, with a bigger spot and do seminars. I think it's going to just our level and our presence in the MMA community as a team and a gym, along with um, me making it to the UFC and giving some shine on the gym and you know Raul and Jesse if they also do the, do the same I think it's good we're gonna you're gonna hear about the GF club turning into a powerhouse in like the next five years
1: in terms of your goals as a fighter in 2023 have you set any personal goals that you want to achieve this year
4: um I I need to get and will get into the UFC I if you would have asked me when I was 17 when I thought I'd be in the UFC I would have said 18 19 um and then just life happened and getting involved with girls and doing the partying thing quite a bit uh definitely held me back a lot and covid the scamdemic and all all that crap it just uh god's plan not mine god's timing is perfect you know i just definitely would have thought with my skills and uh, my experience i would have been in the ufc a long time ago but it's happening now when it should and i got the club and i got everything going so my goals are to get into the UFC as in having my first fight already, not just the contender fight. Mm-hmm. My plan is to have this fight coming up next month in three weeks. I'm fighting again for the middleweight title at SF Combat. They're an amateur promotion, and they're just starting pros. Uh, to get that belt and th- that fight out of the way, and then I'll be 7-2, and two, um, and then I get the call to go in the UFC. I got offered to fight Gregory Rodriguez in the last card in Brazil, but it was the same night as the other fight I had, and I hadn't mm-hmm. been training that hard to make my UFC debut to be honest
1: it was it, I mean was that a, a hard decision like because I mean obviously your goal was nah. get, or 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 was it about being smart
4: just about being smart um this opportunity it kind of just came uh, it wasn't like anything that I had mm-hmm. thought of or, or envisioned but I did get an opportunity to fight in front of Dana White and the Nelk boys uh like a year ago but it was on nine days notice and I was mm-hmm. way out of shape so I didn't take it but that opportunity was a hard one because when i first signed with Iridium, i had texted uh jeremy i said hey if you hear anything of the milk boys doing a looking for a fight or looking to sponsor a fighter they're going to be at an event put me on uh it's it's my destiny blah 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 Mm -hmm. Uh, i'll make it happen leave the work to me just trust me and they're like yeah okay you know we'll keep it in mind because i had watched them on a podcast talk about wanting to sponsor a fighter and um and then they hit me up with the opportunity, and I wasn't ready. I wasn't training hard, so mm-hmm. I I lost it. That I was bummed about. That was hard. But better to make my debut in front of Dana White the right way and not looking like some schmuck.
1: Yeah, no, no. It's You know, sometimes it, it can be hard when when the, that opportunity comes knocking. But, uh, Gabriel, man, I really appreciate you coming to the show. Good luck in that upcoming uh, title fight that you do have. And, of course, uh, let me know anything you can find on social media. Anything else you want to mention, man?
4: Uh, just anybody who's in the Northern California area, come check out the GF Club. We got some uh, really talented up-and-comers coming up. I'll, of course, we'll give you guys great work, and hopefully, we can exchange some knowledge. I want to shout out my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, number one. Uh, without him, you know, I wouldn't have the faith that I do, that to do the things I do, and to trust in him, and that everything's going to go well. And I, you know, appreciate the salvation and the grace, God, number one, and uh, my family supporters, right there, number two, and uh, shout out to my team.
1: Joining me now here on the MMA Report, man, it's going to be in the main event of Shamrock FC 343, February the 18th. Josh, appreciate the time. Uh, As we're talking here, we're still a couple weeks out uh, from this fight. So uh, are we starting to get to that point of camp that you're like, damn it, I'm ready for fight night to get here?
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. I'm ready for it just, I'm ready for that night. I'm ready to kick some ass, have a good time.
1: Of course, you've been doing this this thing for a long time. Uh, you know, looking at Tapology has the, the pro debut back in 2009. But uh, when did the love for martial arts start for you?
2: Um, I started doing taekwondo when I was five years old with my father. Um, then it grew into wrestling, jiu-jitsu, judo, kickboxing, then MMA, and then turned pro. And I've been doing martial arts my whole life pretty much. So it's just part of who I am now.
1: And, of course, you're coming off that kickboxing win there back back in December, back in your entire MMA competition. Uh, you mentioned about, you know, hey, man, you've got love for all all, all types of martial arts. Uh, you know, in terms of for you, in terms of your career, it's like, hey, man, if you offer me a kickboxing matchup, cool, I'm down. You offer me an MMA fight, all right, cool, I'm down. Is that kind of the mindset?
2: Uh, yeah, I prefer MMA. That fight kind of got switched around, but you got to roll with the punches when you're doing the sport. So I got off the kickboxing fight. I took it. And ended up dominating and winning. So that's how it rolled.
1: I, I one thing I did notice was there were some times where for you know certain years where you just never had any competition, most notably uh 2019 and 2021. Obviously we know about 2020 of why that was. Uh, but what was going kind of going on in those those time periods?
2: Uh family. You know, I became a father, I had my second kid and uh, just trying to balance life. Being a dad, being a parent, then also trying to keep on competing. But life just kind of got in the way, so I had to take a step back from martial arts, take care of life, uh, get my family, everything, take care of there. And that's all going great and super happy there. So I'm back in doing what I love, getting fighting and enjoying martial arts.
1: Is that one of the hardest things for you is just that, that balancing of – you know, hey, the daytime job, getting the training in, you know, being there for your family. I mean, or is it or is it still something you're trying to kind of figure out what is that correct balance?
2: I think every day you're just trying to figure out that balance. But right now it's a lot better. And yeah, it's it's a juggling act trying to do working, training, being a dad, being a um, partner, being a husband. You got to You just got to find that balancing act. I'm way better at it now than I was even five years ago. So. Comes with experience, I guess.
1: As you think about this uh, this matchup against Joss Augustine, what has been the focus of of training?
2: Uh, Big thing is getting my weight back down. Uh, The other thing is just fine tuning every aspect of the fight. I don't like being that person that comes in as a one trick pony. You know, only a wrestler, only a jits guy. I'd rather be good at wrestling, good at jits, good at striking, good at head movement, good at footwork and just be a good all-around fighter so i'm dangerous anywhere this place goes i don't really care where i am i'm gonna bring the fight to you um, i don't know a whole lot about um, josh himself i've seen a few little bit of footage and everything and to me he's just a hard-nosed fighter good fighter and i'm just gonna bring my battle and we'll meet in the middle and see which one wins
1: do you like to watch a lot of film on your opponent
2: not really i, I like to watch some you get a little familiar with it but I'm not really the guy that just sits down there, watches every fight they have, examines everything they do. I'm more focused on what am I doing for training? What am I paying attention to and making damn sure that I am prepared and I feel confident in what I'm gonna do. To me, it doesn't matter what they do. As long as I'm good and comfortable, I can take that fight anywhere.
1: Is it is it more one of those situations of you, you just want to pop on that film and maybe just kind of see okay are they southpaw are they orthodox are they switch stances you know maybe maybe try to see maybe if there's someone that that's you know will will shoot for a takedown is that what more it is for you of just kind of getting that general baseline of understanding who they are as opponents so you kind of you know you just kind of know what to expect
2: yeah yeah just have a general understanding just little little details on them little things that they do and. Um, so I'm, I just don't like picking them apart completely. I feel like that stresses the person out sometimes too much. So I usually watch them about one or two times, just like you said, just to understand that person a little bit more, kind of have a, somewhat of a feeling on his little little tricks or little tells that he might do or any of the things like that, and anything I can capitalize on. So just quick little watch, uh, get a little familiar with it, and then just take away my training camp.
1: You know, I come from a football world where, you know, where when we break down film, we're looking for tendencies. We're looking for things that, um, you know, people do. Do you go back and look at your own film and you do that self-evaluation of like, oh, man, I'm 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 showing I've got to tell and I got to switch up this tell.
2: After fights, I do. After a fight, I'll watch the film for a day or two or a few days, keep watching it, figure out what I did wrong in that fight. Um, but then after that, I don't go back. I don't like to dwell on what I did in the past. I pay attention to it after the fight because you got to learn at what you failed at. You got to find your mistakes and learn from them. But I feel like if I keep going back over and over again, again, I just stress myself out and get picky. I'd rather just move on, look to the future, and
1: as you think about how the victory is going to come for you, do you see the victory coming a certain way, or is it one of those things of like? Man, I've this fight going so many ways. It can you know, you know, it's it's just it's all about getting that, that hand raised.
2: For me, it's just about getting that hand raised. Like I could see me knocking him out, I could see me submitting him, I can see me taking him down and end up on top and landing a bunch of big elbows and hammer strikes. I'm a big person on visualizing all aspects. I'm I like to just I want like to be prepared no matter where I'm at. I don't like being specific. I, that's just how I am. But after my last fight and the way I've been training my striking, I want the knockout. I want another knockout. I want to see another dude laying on his back, shaking, just out cold. I would love to do that. But again, I'll win no matter how I can. So,
1: Obviously, this being your first fight here in 2023, in terms of uh, have you set some, some personal goals for yourself of what you want to accomplish this year?
2: Uh, yes. As uh, many fights as I can fit in this year keep growing as a mixed martial artist uh, trying to get to bigger shows uh, bigger opportunities and keep growing with this sport i like you said earlier i've been out for a while this is my comeback i'm coming back to attack this world attack mma uh, try to uh, build a future for me and my family using fighting and i'm just back i got my love back i got my passion back i got the drive and the discipline so no matter where it goes as long as it's up i don't care
1: and there you have my conversations with Anthony Romero, Israel Silva, Gero Pacheco, Dolce, and Josh Henry. Appreciate all those men coming on this edition of the podcast. Kind of uh, some of the thoughts of those interviews as I was going back and listening to those interviews. Anthony Romero, uh, I've known this guy now for for multiple years. Uh, I think I've told this story before. Maybe if I haven't, maybe this will be the first time I've told it, is I remember when Anthony was like one or two fights into his pro career he emailed me asking to come on the podcast and you know that does happen sometimes so I've known Anthony for a long time here and you know and I really do think that there are a lot of similarities from the environment he was in there on Daniel West Contender Series to the environment he'll be in a couple weeks in Orlando at the PFL Challenger Series I mean you talk about you know th- these PFL Challenger Series you got to go out there and you got to make a statement you got to show the PFL and and everyone involved that you you need to get a shot in the PFL. So it's a huge opportunity. And it was, I thought one of the the more kind of the two things that, that really, Stuck out to me about that conversation where he's talking about, you know, hey, there's that million dollar check that's just kind of dangling out there uh, of what could potentially be in the future, but also talking about the fact of, you know, he's talking about that, you know, the one loss that he has on, on, on his record. He said, and talked about being thankful for that. And that was, you know, in all my years of interviewing fighters, I don't think I've ever heard a fighter talk about a loss and being thankful for that. Uh, then the, then you had the conversation with Israel Silva, the wrestling coach uh, for Bram Ramstar. Working with Bram Moreno for this uh, this most recent fight against Davison Um and you know, and this being the the first MMA fighter that he has worked with, and interesting, kind of see does this lead to more with him? And uh, you know, it was really interesting, guys, to kind of hear him talking about the you know the comparison and contrasting the way Bram Moreno's mindset works in comparison to the mindset uh, of David Taylor, the, the you know, look the Olympian who's looking for a second straight Olympic gold medal in Paris in 2024. And maybe we do see, uh, you know, I think you hear what Izzy said there, uh, makes me kind of believe that maybe we are going to see, uh, David Taylor potentially at least flirt a little bit with mixed martial arts. Once, uh, his, uh, next, uh, Olympic run. Is over. Then you had Gerol Pacheco Dolce, of course, uh, winning the Pure Combate middleweight title. And how about him dropping the little nugget that he was actually offered the great uh, the Gregory Rodriguez fight at UFC 283, but ultimately ended up turning that matchup down. And and that's a that's a tough decision. Uh, I've spoken to a lot of fighters that have you know get a short notice opportunity, and you know sometimes that you know more times than not, I feel like a fighter says like they feel like they have to take the fight even even if they know. Maybe it's not the best decision, but it's a UFC come calling. And then, of course, the final conversation I heard there with Josh Henry, who, uh, you know, coming up, uh, he's got that matchup in the main event of Shamrock FC 343, coming off that first round. TKO in a kickboxing matchup back in December. And really, the big thing you take from that conversation is talking about, you know, that 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 balance that he's trying to find in his life from family life, work life, and also uh, training life, getting ready. And mentioned he goes, "Hey, I'm back. I'm back," and he's ready to get back into the saddle there. So, I appreciate all four of those men coming on this edition of the AmeriPort Podcast. Of course, uh, on the next uh, edition of the podcast, myself and Daniel Galvan. We are going to preview this weekend's mixed martial arts action with the UFC event, also the Bellator event. We'll probably take a deeper dive into the Bellator card, then we'll take a deeper dive into the UFC card. Just being honest with you, I know uh, there's a lot of people out there love when uh, we kind of dedicate a lot to, to Bellator. So we are going to do that as well. Uh, one other thing that I will mention is a fact of, I I really did enjoy the way the UFC announced those fights on Friday, uh, announcing the rematch between Alex Bahia and and Izzy coming up in April. Uh, I will tell you this. I was when Dana White announced Gilbert Burns versus Jorge Maslow. I was a little surprised in that fight booking. I, I did not think that would be the fight that, uh, that Jorge would take. I I thought he may be looking for a different matchup because stylistically, I just don't know if that's a very good matchup, uh, for Jorge Maslow, especially if, if, if Gilbert's, uh, does go with a heavy grappling aspect. Now, but really, I mean, you talk about, um, back up against the wall for Jorge Maslow If Jorge does not win that fight. I mean, his days, I think, as a as a title challenger are likely over. And I think it also gives us a little hint about where the UFC's mindset may be in what could be Connor McGregor's return matchup to the UFC. And you know, Connor, of course, had that that Instagram post last week where he talked about the UFC reached out to him about coaching tough. Michael Chandler kind of did the eyeball emoji. Um, so, and then Tony Ferguson had a very interesting comment that almost made it sound like maybe he's the guy. And to me, that would make a lot of sense. Now, I did see um Armin Sarukian had a tweet. I got to pull up this tweet. I, I saw this come up uh, in my timeline the other day. And I kind of laughed about it because it was one of these tweets where I was like, Hey, Armin, you do realize that Michael Chandler is trying to get a matchup against um against Conor McGregor and it was basically essentially the tweet was essentially saying, Hey, Hey, you're, you're top of this division. You don't have a fight. You you need to have, you know, fight. I'm trying to pull up the tweet right now on on what it was because I saw it and I was just like, come on, man, you you gotta realize what's going on here. You gotta realize that Michael Chandler is sitting back and waiting for it. And And I can't find the tweet. Um, that he had and it, it just it was one of those it was one of those tweets i was just like i mean like i get armin sarukian i get why you're sitting there trying to get michael chandler to take a fight with you but it's like yeah chandler's trying to get that money fight and uh i'm sorry i mean armin you are a tremendously talented fighter, one of the best lightweights in UFC, no question about it but i think you also have to understand and Michael Chandler's trying to get that, that Conor McGregor fight and we'll see what all ultimately happens with Conor McGregor um, in terms of what happens in his return matchup to the UFC but that is going to do it for this edition of the Ameriport Podcast appreciate you taking time out of your day download listen to this episode of the podcast of course two ep- new episodes come out two times a week it was got the interview edition which I try to get out on Sunday sometimes it might come out on Mondays I got the midweek edition, which typically comes out on, on Wednesday evenings, where it's myself and I'm going to talk about everything going on in the world of mixed martial arts.